Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Praise be the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Welcome to another episode of Real Presence Live here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Father James Gross with you, a priest of the Diocese of Fargo, pastor of St. Mary's Church in Grand Forks, which is incidentally where our studio here in Grand Forks is also located. And it's a good thing because the weather conditions are somewhat prohibitive for being able to travel somewhere in order to uh, do this broadcast in a place other than where a person Person is hunkering down. For that reason, I am flying solo this morning. My uh, usual doubles partner, Father Jason Leffer, is uh, uh, at his uh, home parishes, heeding the instructions that uh, travel not be advised. In fact, uh, the last couple of days, I saw some uh, memes over social media talking about how the official map from the North Dakota DOT had virtually every single road that was not officially closed um, labeled with a intermittent red and white line on the state map. And uh, it looked sort of like candy canes, and people were talking about how North Dakota was preparing for Christmas with all of the road closures. So we hope that you are safe and sound. and. Uh, not having to uh, do anything too perilous. We also hope that uh, this uh, storm is going to be um, giving away rather quickly. Some of you may be listening as you are pushing snow in your uh, tractors and, and vehicles, if that's the case, wherever you happen to be. However you are listening to us this morning, we are very grateful to have you with us. We've got a great show coming up, uh, some wonderful conversations for the next couple of hours. And at the bottom of the hour, we will have our Straight Talk segment where we will invite people to send in their questions either to uh, speak to us directly or through our Facebook page here at Real Presence Radio. Before we do anything else, I'd like to take a moment to call uh, upon God's mercy to uh, begin this program with prayer, and I want to use uh, a special uh, Marian prayer to uh, commend ourselves to the protection of the Holy Virgin Mary, a prayer known in its uh, Latin title as the Alma Redemptoris Mater. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Loving Mother of the Redeemer, Gate of Heaven, Star of the Sea, assist your people who have fallen yet strive to rise again. To the wonderment of nature you bore your Creator, yet remained a virgin after as before. You who received Gabriel's joyful greeting, have pity on us, poor sinners. Amen. O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I also want to add uh, special prayers with the uh, inclement weather that many of our listening area uh, sections are dealing with this morning to pray for uh, emergency personnel, those who need to be out and about, uh, paramedics, police, uh, firefighters, um, as well as, uh, I guess, uh, it, it seemed trite before the pandemic, the phrase essential workers, uh, those in healthcare and other sorts of uh, industries. 
um, that they may be able to reach their destination safely. Well, our first section, our first uh, segment of today's program is our saunter down literary lane, and we have our regular guests with us. We have uh, Nancy Gord uh, back with us. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And we also have with us my brother priest from the Diocese of Fargo and chaplain at uh, Shanley and Sacred Heart Schools, Father William Slattery. Welcome back, Father, to Real Presence Live. Thank you, and good morning. Good morning to both of you. I am looking forward to this discussion because with regard to the history, you might say, of the author, this is something that comes maybe from uh, out of left field with regard to the kinds of things that we are discussing. But I'm very grateful that we are doing this. So, um, Nancy, why don't we call on you to begin and just uh, tell us about uh, the story that we are going to discuss today. Well, the story, A Christmas Memory by Truman Capote, is that so fitting for the season because it speaks of holiday traditions, the anticipation of Christmas. It describes the time and place of the South in the 1930s, both nostalgically and beautifully. And it tells the story of two family members, a boy and his much older childlike cousin, and their friendship and their love and the bonds that they formed, because they kind of feel like outcasts among the other family members. It is a very sweet story, oftentimes called sentimental in the way that O'Henry's stories are, but it just touches us so much because it, we understand love, friendship, isolation, and loss. So it's, it's a great selection, I think, for this week as we look forward to Christmas. And uh, Nancy, you had mentioned uh, just off air before we began that uh, this is a story you um, had used in the classroom and that there are various things that were coming back to mind to you as you were um, uh, preparing for our discussion today. Yes, I have used this in the classroom, and it is a wonderful example of the use of figurative language. And I could pick out certain paragraphs where, oh, this is where we talked about simulate. And this one has verbal irony in the name ha-ha. And this one has onomatopoeia with the crunching of the leaves and the nuts. And so it's just, it's a perfect teaching tool. Now, Father Slattery, um, uh, could you tell us a little bit about uh, some of your kind of first uh, reactions? I don't know if you had been familiar with this story prior to our uh, discussion today. No, I wasn't. Um, and then for you always have to do a little bit of research then to figure out uh, some of the uh, backstory for it. Um, but, uh, I mean, it definitely reminded me a lot of, uh, of O'Henry's kind of short stories, and uh, as, as Nancy said, uh, kind of that uh, sentimental uh, quality to the, the tale. Uh, and, uh, and just a little bit of, like, the background of uh, Capote, uh, you know, he, uh, he kind of was bounced around with family members through most of his early childhood and ended up having to go to uh, military schools um, after he reached um, adolescence, um, which he really disliked, and so um, you know, kind of this this is a little we could say autobi- autobiographical as a little bit of a Christmas memory. Um, but uh, what strikes me most is just that sense of like the power of Christmas to reach everybody, as uh, especially the the innocence and childlike quality of. A celebration of the season, um, and a good connection, I think, with like even like Chesterton's 
concept of, of uh, the mystery of the incarnation of Christ who enters into our poverty, enriches it. And you see in these two characters just a profound way of like their, their innocence and childlike quality that has the capacity of generosity and love, um, even as they're kind of, as Nancy said, outcasts and strangers in their own family. Um, they find that kind of bond, and uh, the season of Christmas is a profound way in which they're almost awakened to the fullness of their life. Yes, the um, richness of the experience of the season and their lives, despite the material poverty, is a very obvious contrast as we look at uh, that one scene in the story, especially where they're uh, trying to kind of pool their money together, see what they have between the two of them, how every uh, cent, you know, seems to make a difference. And yet uh, that's not really at the heart of, of the definition of what it means to, you know, to, to live Christmas and to have uh, Christmas memories. Um, you had uh, touched on the author, uh, Truman Capote, uh, born in 1924, died in 1984. Um, many folks who are familiar with him or have heard of him before may be thinking of his um, uh, literary career as an adult, his reputation as a sort of um, uh, bon vivant, you know, celebrity in mm -hmm. the New York scene. But um, there is that Southern... Um, uh, sensibility that I think always stayed with him. Uh, one of the areas where he lived as a small child, uh, Monroeville, Alabama, is also the hometown of the famous uh, author Harper Lee, with whom mm -hmm. he had had a relationship, uh, you know, who a friendship uh, throughout his life. And uh, being born in New Orleans and, and being a transplant to New York City, there was, at least in those uh, um, initial times, certainly feeling in several different ways like a fish out of water. First of all, being thrust into this big uh, urban, you know, metropolis, and then also um, just kind of the, the vulnerability as, as uh, Capote um, chooses the buddy, the seven-year-old boy as a narrator, there's a, a vulnerability that I think is um, clearly reflected from uh, some of his own childhood experiences, wouldn't you agree? I would oh, yeah. agree wholeheartedly, yeah. Right. And, you know, Harper Lee actually accompanied him to Kansas because he wrote in cold blood over a period of seven years. And, you know, Truman was kind of an unusual personality. And she kind of accompanied him almost to be like a translator to the native Kansans who might have related to her a little bit better and open up to her. So they, they did work together on that a little bit because In Cold Blood is really considered his major, major success. Indeed, a, a true crime, I guess, one of the earliest examples of that subgenre of, of literature written, I believe, back in the late 1950s, yes. Any other uh, thoughts about that particular um, aspect, uh, like with his um, uh, kind of the autobiographical uh, um, factors, Father Slattery? Well, I think, uh, I mean, I think on my end, just looking at that sense of, uh, you know, the outcast sense, like there's a easy way to, to like, kind of relate it to the, the meaning of the Christmas season with uh, the activity of the incarnation of just the, uh, no room at the end uh, experience of, of Mary and Joseph at the birth of, of the Savior of like this is a kind of the profound part I think of our faith and I think even in that part of own, Truman's own life where um, you know his mother had divorced and had moved to New York City to be with her second husband he kind of was abandoned by both his mother and father um, 
to be raised by relatives and yeah you know even in that sentimental quality of like this reality of of god reaching into our broken human nature um you know like uh, again the autobiographical sense the relationship between buddy and his o- older childlike cousin is just the way in which humanity finds itself at home um even in the brokenness of the world uh to experience hope um and the qualities there of like how innocence brings us encounter with god and how generosity is there i thought it was i, I never liked fruitcake personally oh, much so maligned. Was, yeah so it was just like 31 fruitcakes what are they going to do it was for me that's what i was reading i was like okay are they going to eat them every day because that would just get really <laughs> really really uh mundane but uh no it's just but they would give them away to strangers I thought that was kind of the interesting quality there. It was just like the concept of friendship there was a little bit sad. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and I find it, a, go ahead, Nancy. I was just going to say, I find that I'm often the lone fruitcake fan in the group. <laughs> you know, okay, I so really... I would have loved one of those fruitcakes. <laughs> I, I've really come to enjoy fruitcake, and, and I uh, just want to put in a shameless plug for my favorite uh, variety, which is made by the uh, Trappist monks of Gethsemane Abbey down in Kentucky. Now, um, granted, it is bourbon-infused, and that's kind of their hook, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, it, maybe it, it really... Where, like, maybe that's where I was going wrong. It must have been made by a bunch of teetotalers where I was from. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there certainly will be something missing. I think once a person tries uh, what uh, uh, the the priests and monks of Gethsemane Abbey have to offer. But yes, I know it's it's one of those things where it's become sort of a punchline, and it, it's really unfortunate, you know, because there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of skill required in in making a fruitcake well. So um, that's one of the vehicles that is used in this story, and uh, we're going to step aside for just a moment as we're talking about the short story, A Christmas Memory by Truman Capote. We are uh, tuning in here. Uh, You have us here with Nancy Gord and Father Slattery, and we'll have more after the break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sappo from Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision offers vision therapy services for children and adults. Symptoms of poor reading comprehension, headaches, tired eyes, and poor coordination can be indicators of eye movement conditions which affect reading and learning. Eye movement disorders are often undetected by school vision screenings and regular eye exams. For more information about how vision therapy can help treat these conditions, our website is www.lumen.vision. Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time, so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Download it today and see what you've been missing. This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. In Luke 5, Jesus invites Peter, weary from a night of fruitless fishing, back out onto the Sea of Galilee to cast his nets one more time and trust Jesus for the results. To cast into the deep is to let go of our own opinions, desires, and the way things or people should be. 
To cast into the deep, even where we have already fished with no results, is to let go of independence, autonomy, and self-determination. The sooner we realize that our beloved is holding us in his hands, the sooner we can get about the business of doing our Father's will, the sooner we will become disciples. Proverbs sums up this great secret lesson learned by the saints. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Let go and trust the Lord to direct your activities and your life. He knows what he's doing. Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace, power, purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live on a stormy Thursday outside of our window here in the near Southside Historic District in the Grand Cities of uh, North Dakota and Minnesota. Father James Gross, priest of the Diocese of Fargo, joining you today. Uh, pleased to be able to conduct this conversation as we're going to dive right back into this wonderful short story by Truman Capote, A Christmas Memory. Before we do that, just a reminder that at the bottom of the hour, we will begin our Straight Talk segment. And if you have questions uh, for us about uh, anything regarding the faith, 877-795-0122 is the number to call. You can also leave uh, questions on our Facebook page at Real Presence Radio. And uh, we appreciate your listening, whether it be through a podcast or in one of our many stations and affiliates throughout our listening area. So let's get back into this uh, discussion um, with regard to the uh, characters in A Christmas Memory. Uh, we, we were talking about um, the uh the we're we're uh, on uh, during the um break we were talking about one of these um um uh, supporting characters, you might say, uh, a man uh, named Haha, which uh, is is uh, somewhat ironic because he didn't seem to have much of a, um, uh, a humorous uh, bone in his body. He does have scars. He doesn't smile. He glowers at us through Satan-filled eyes and demands to know what you want with Haha. Uh, you know various things like that. So, um, Nancy, if you could just uh, share some thoughts about how that particular character. You know, kind of contributes to the story. Well, as one of their ingredients, and it's kind of a pricey ingredient, they need whiskey for their fruitcake. So they're going to go out in kind of an isolated area where Ha Ha Jones lives with Mrs. Ha Ha. And they expect to see her. But he comes to the door, and he's a very imposing figure. And again, the verbal irony. He would be the last person you'd nickname Ha-Ha. And he, they explain what they want. They explain they need it for fruitcakes. They count out all their coins, the pennies they earned for dead flies, the, the money they made with their little sideshow three-legged chicken. And they pour this money into his hands, and he looks at it and he goes, you know what, just send me one of the fruitcakes. And they give it back. And they go, oh, he's going to get an extra cup of raisins or an extra handful of raisins in his. And what I think is so interesting is that he, in a way, is isolated, just like they are in a sense. And yet he realizes the goodness of what they're doing, the sacrifice they must have made, the gifts they're so excited about. And he grants them that money back. And this just goes to show, again, it's so trite. 
But don't judge a book by its cover. There is goodness in ha-ha. Right, right. Uh, any other thoughts regarding that, Father Slattery, about uh, that particular character? No, I just thought, I mean, the way that Capote like, has them going to the dance cafe uh, is just so, I mean, I, I find it just so, uh, it was funny. It was just, uh, as you're reading it, uh, you know, they're talking about you know, like the different crimes that take place there and uh, the, <laughs> yeah. like, the under investigation. Uh, you know, like Queenie, who is their little uh, Jack Terrier, is, like, right. you know, you can tell like this kind of just a real, I mean, he has a great way of just writing with a sense of um, anticipation and with a lot of emotion. And, uh, you know, like the way he describes the dog just kind of hunkering around the heels of the, of the old lady. Uh, it just creates this this tension and atmosphere, um, which again I think it plays into that sense of irony of like you know this is a place where they uh, considered by the world to be um, just a a den of iniquity, yet it's where they find generosity. Um, and so I think it's a kind of profound little statement there of just the reversal that takes place of well, um, and, expectations and, and hopes. And I just want to bring up that, that another kind of important part of the story, which shows the relationship they have to the other family members, is that they do have some leftover whiskey. So, mm. unfortunately, they give a little to Queenie, who is a character in this story, and then she gives some to Buddy and herself, and Buddy is exuberantly tap dancing, and they're singing, and they're having a good old time. And, of course, the relatives are absolutely aghast when they come in and find out what's been going on and of course they chastise her and she's just devastated this goes a little bit too to her very childlike character and perhaps there's a little bit in her that doesn't truly understand cause and effect but it is this innocence and her simplicity that are part of her charm uh, mm -hmm. Capote like so many southern authors does write about eccentric women uh, which is also a component of Southern Gothic literature, even though I wouldn't necessarily call this a Gothic in any way. Right. But uh, it, it does kind of go back to her, uh, her in the amount of common sense she may have and not realizing that. But again, it is this innocence that enables her to see the wonder of God's world that one passage where she's talking about meeting God at the end, and then she says, but he's been with me, he's been around us all along. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was quite profound. Indeed. Um, another trait that uh, I really take with me, uh, having read this story, is just the, the choices that uh, Buddy and his friend make um, to be... Uh, philanthropic, you might say, to, to, to be altruistic, to, uh, to do for others, you know, when it could be so easy in conventional wisdom to just withdraw, stay within themselves, you know, that they uh, hardly have, uh, you know, two nickels to rub together, as the saying goes, and to just, um, you know, be concentrating on, on self-preservation when they're really, you know, turning outward. That is, uh, you know, it's a courageous and a bold move that really speaks to the, uh, that I thought really spoke to the, uh, the you know, the spirit of this, uh, of this time and this season. Oh, and the excitement they have. I mean, it starts out with Friend, and I think in later publications of the story, he gave her the name Sookie, but in this 
printing, the original printing, it was called His Friend, when yeah. she goes, oh, it's fruitcake weather, it's fruitcake weather. And it's just that excitement and anticipation. Mm-hmm. And, and this is to make gifts for others. It's not the gift they're going to receive. Yeah, and and also the um, the the effort that they put into and in, um, uh, marking the season by uh, chopping down a a Christmas mm-hmm. tree and the um, the sacrifice that it takes of uh, hefting that heavy tree over uh, you know an, an unusually uh, you know long way back to their home. That's another great uh, that that's another great image that uh, Capote evokes. Yeah, right. and, and the, the decoration. Go ahead, Father Slattery. Well, I think, like, on that part, too, like, those whole scenes of, like, it gets to, like, the, we would say, like, the meaning of Christmas is just that, like, it is a time especially of the generosity uh, in which we look at the value of things differently. Um, you know, like, there was the conversation along the way with the the guy and the lady who want to buy the tree from him, and, the, you know, the, the, the your lady offers, like, 50 cents, and they're like, no, nothing for less than $2 or something like that, and it's just, like... And the lady's like, that's absurd. And it's like, you know, it's like, well, there's no two of them alike in the world. Uh, just that kind of, the kind of sense of that and the difference between how the buddy and her and his friend approach, like, gift-giving versus the relatives who, like, you know, give socks and, you know, subscriptions to magazines. And it's like, you know, there's just a, a lack of heart that's there. And, uh, and I think, like, that aspect of what it means to give a gift is that generosity of oneself uh, that becomes the the mode of happiness. And so I I, I thought that was a powerful image um, and meaning of the story. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's not as though the characters are are necessarily heroic, but they uh, you know they they aspire to uh, various virtues and uh, you know allow you might say the the Holy Spirit to, um, to 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 build up that hope in them, even though there are others who really don't um, you know expect much of them, whether it be their you know um, family members who are. You know, high and mighty, and and uh, easily uh, scandalized by you know by their behavior. So that's a that's another interesting component of this story. So um, uh, Christmas memory by Truman Capote is uh, it's it's a great uh, and it, and it's. Um, a relatively short read, uh, mm-hmm. great uh, thing to uh, take with you in these um, moments. Maybe if you have an unplanned snow day, like I'm sure a great many of people have, you know, throughout our area, um, to be able to take with them. In a couple of minutes that we have left, um, let's uh, just give a little sneak preview of what we're thinking of um, uh, speaking about for our next uh, next month segment. Well, next month. The Scarlet Pimpernel by Baroness Artsy. I may not be pronouncing that last Hungarian name correctly, but it is the first in a series of historical novels that she wrote and has been made into film more than once. The Scarlet Pimpernel. 
Very good. Yes, that's uh, one of those things that a lot of people may have heard about. You know, it has a sort of legendary familiarity, um, but, uh, you know, we may not necessarily have a lot of um, uh, direct knowledge of it. So uh, speaking for Father Leffer, that's going to whet uh, our appetite, and we, we look forward to um, look forward to taking that on uh, for our next discussion. So thanks so much, um, uh, Nancy and uh, Father Slattery. So blessings to you and your and uh, your your loved ones at the upcoming uh, Christmas season. Well, and thank to you. you and yours as well. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you. So we have, in just a moment, we are going to be starting up our Straight Talk segment. There are a couple of different questions that are being posed to us already, and you can join the conversation. We love to hear from you directly. 877-795-0122. There are questions that are coming in about um, the celebration of uh, Christmas Eve Midnight Mass, Um, various other traditions with regard to what the priest does during the liturgy. We'll talk about lots of different things regarding uh, the season of Christmas, and especially since Christmas Day falls on a Sunday this year, how that makes it a little bit different. There are a couple of saints next week, just shortly before Christmas, whose reputations might be a little bit uh, diminished because those days are the final day, weekdays of Advent, Saints John Canty and Peter Canisius. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit about them, as well as uh, numerous other things that may come up, but you guys are driving the bus for the Straight Talk segment, and we'll start it up after this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 